0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 75, wow, of the No Priscilium Podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. On the show this week, it's coming to you from New York City, Zay Amsbury, our man in New York City, is talking with Kendra Slack and Jordan Schlepeka of Linked Dance Theatre, That's a new uh, site-specific immersive dance theater company doing some really great work. Zay's excited about it. He's excited to talk to them. And uh, I'm excited to listen along to the show with you. As always, uh, I get to be the audience for the show. I like to learn about things, too. Uh, But hey, first, got a little business for you. Do you do theatrical or event design work looking for a computer-aided design program that's built for the work you do, like lighting, projection, and sound? Then you should check out our friends at Drafty. Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported and it's priced to be affordable because the designer who makes it knows exactly the kind of challenges you face firsthand. Find out if drafty can help you work your magic at drafty app.com. Big thank you. Of course, to our friends at drafty for being our, our sponsor here on the show. Also to all of our Patreon backers. Yeah, I'm starting there. Um, I just added some new levels to the Patreon. I didn't. I didn't rewrite the whole thing yet. and I haven't shot a new video because I'm. I'm. I'm lazy. But uh, we're gonna get a new video up at some point uh, to sort of explain what we do now because everything's changed so much. Mostly, kinda. But there are two new levels um, uh, in terms of goals, and I've actually added some stuff, and I'm gonna add some more stuff. So um, there's. I've. I've set a cap on the ten dollar. And anyone who's already got a $10 um, uh, uh, Patreon, you're getting all this stuff. So don't worry. Uh, no one's claimed them. But I've, I've set just 10. Um, and one of the big ones is I'm offering consultation. What? Um, people have gotten in the habit of coming to us to, like, talk over their projects. And we love that. There's only so much time in a week. And I have to kind of start drawing a line somewhere, uh, or I have to start charging for it. So I am gonna start charging for it soon. Uh, some of you may go, look, what? No, I just, you know, look, if we've done this in the past, don't freak out, you know, you've, you've got my ear. Uh, let's not worry about that. Uh, But if you haven't done it in the past and you're looking, uh, probably the best way you get some, some free action and a discount is uh, now the $10 Patreon level is called the schemer. Um, And I'm offering up uh, four hours of consultation a year. Uh, If you, you know, you got to be the whole year, right? Uh, Virtual office hours, uh, all access. What's virtual office hours. We'll talk about that later. Um, And, um, there's uh, all the other rewards you get, so there's some more stuff coming. I've, I've got uh, some schemes of my own in, in gear at the moment. Uh, we've also set a uh, $150 goal on the Patreon to expand the newsletters and a $200 goal, which is where the virtual office hours come in. So uh, we're looking to run up the scoreboard right now on the Patreon so that we can expand what we do. Uh, as we face new challenges and new opportunities in 2017. But you don't come here to listen to me, Pitch. No, you don't. You, yeah, no, I know you You really don't. Um, you want the news and notes. And it's December, and it's a little quieter than usual. Um, or a little quieter than it's gotten, I gotta say. But there are some fun things. Let's go up to Seattle real quick. Seattle Immersive Theater, who have, they've got a great model. They have their own space. And they do new work in it all the time. Why, that's that's almost a theater model. Oh wait, it is a theater model. Um and I would love to be able to go up and check out every new show that Seattle Immersive does just to, just to kind of like kick the tires. So one, if you are up in Seattle, if you're one of our, our our friends up there, you know, just holler at us and let us know how the work is. Cause I'm I'm super curious. I know Abel went up and caught one of their pieces before they had the new facility. Uh, But I love it when members of our community uh, Report back from the field Particularly when it's uh, shows that We just can't get to Um, That's not why I'm talking about Seattle Immersive They've got a new show uh, And it sounds like a blast They're doing Krampus Christmas So uh, if you're in LA You know who Krampus is He's a big deal down here Um, He's the demon that comes and takes Naughty children (laughs) Steals them away (laughs) Yeah, it's really like it's our obsession with Halloween. Like, just it sledge right into Christmas. We never give it up. Um, and I, for one, am very glad. Um, I'm I am a goth at heart. I, I no longer dress the part, but I truly, truly love all things goth. And there's nothing gother than Krampus. How can we take Christmas and bring darkness to it? <laughs> we do it through Krampus. But they're doing it up in Seattle. They've got they're setting up. It's there's a whole maze. Um, it's, it's sort of fun, sort of scary, fun by meaning funny, so it's it's a comic tale. Um, all that's listed in the West Coast issue, which will be reaching out to your inboxes this weekend. We've set up a whole new uh, publishing plan for 2017, so we're going to be super consistent now, I swear. Hey, here in L.A., I've started to get entwined with Have You Seen Jake?, which is um, a new immersive. They're planning three shows, and they've got a little bit of, you know, don't call it an ARG, ARG action going on. I've gotten an email here, a couple of phone calls, pretty light touch. Um, I suspect things are going to take a dark turn at some point based on what I've read on the website. You can find all this in the newsletters. Um, But so far... um, you know, it's kind of kind of friendly and bright, and and I'm liking that. Like I'm starting to develop a real sense around sort of um, this preliminary stuff, like w- you know, how inviting you should be at the start, when you should start sort of throwing up the caution flags. Um, there's a dance, there's a dance to this stuff, and so far, um, I'm I'm liking I'm liking how the waltz is going. We've got our end of the year shows coming up. Um, and I think it's I think it may want up being shows, because I want to check in with all of our curators around the country and uh, some of our friends here in L.A. So I think there's going to be a couple of different uh, episodes. But the the big thing I want to do is with all of you, and so far I've had two of you, just two of you, and I know a lot more than two of you listen to this show. That I know. Had two of you uh, send in your highlights for the year. More of you should do that. How do you do it? You go to no. You, you, you Either you can write us, or even better, you can record a voicemail, a voice memo, and then email it to us at no underscore proscenium at outlook dot com. I'm checking the junk mailbox on the regular these days. We're, we're getting very, very, very good about that, because uh, we we lost a bunch of emails from Delusion, uh, which is why we haven't had an episode with Delusion yet. But we're getting an episode with Delusion. But it was stupid, stupid outlook that kept us from doing that. But send us your best memories of 2016, your favorite immersive moment, your most immersive moment. Um, Email that to us. And uh, if it's it's audio, try and keep it to around 30 seconds. Um, 30 seconds is a lot more time than you think it is. Unless you're me, in which case, thirty minutes is just not enough time. Um, but yeah, send send that to us. I want to share with everybody. So let's share with the class. Um, that's that. We're gonna set up this interview. This is with Linked Dance Theater, Kendra and Jordan. Zay talked to them. He's out in the field, so you know how how the audio gets when we're out in the field. Um, and oh, just in case you don't listen to any of the show. Uh, something that I think I've missed the past two episodes And I'm ashamed of uh, The music for the show is by Chris Porter The fantastic Chris Porter And uh, I just want to make a point of that I'm going to say that again at the end uh, After we hear this interview But first can hear some of Chris Porter's music Well there it is
1: Hello, this is Zay Amsbury with No Proscenium. We are in New York City in the United States of America, and I am here with Kendra and Jordan of Linked Dance Theatre. And they uh, they recently did a piece called The Unseen, which I saw, which was a, a wonderful site-specific um, immersive piece set in Fort Trion, yeah. um, which is a very complicated and multi-level park way on the north of Manhattan. Um, so Kendra Jordan, uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, how Linked Dance Theater came together in the first place? I think the, you should start,
2: since it's sort of well.
1: <laughs> that's that's Jordan talking,
2: right? now. Yeah, there. hi, Jordan. Um, <laughs> I think like, Kendra should probably probably start, and then I'll segue in and how we sort of like have come to what we are today. Sure. Yeah.
3: Um, so Kendra here, uh, Linked Dance Theater sort of started when I was at Ithaca College um, before I even met Jordan. Um, I started doing... I was there as an actor doing the BFA acting program. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started doing these dance undergrounds. People have been doing undergrounds, like student-run shows for a while, but no one had ever really done one with dance before. So I...
1: So an underground in this case is just... It's a a piece put together by students. Yes, not
3: not really sanctioned by the... the theater department just sort of completely put together by students in their free time. Got it. Um, So I wanted to do one that involved dance and actually the piece that I put up turned out to be the first act of what would eventually become our first full-length show here in New York City. But it simply came about by myself as an actor and as a dancer really feeling like those two mediums shouldn't be mutually exclusive and that I wanted to do work that would marry the two. And so it started out in this vein of just being narrative dance that really delved into character relationships and specific wants and needs of the character, but told through movement and using movement vocabulary. That Um, was definitely one thing
1: I found with with The Unseen, like it was very, very much like it had a narrative and there yeah. were characters and there were scenes um and a lot of the movement was recognizable yeah. movement that told a very specific exactly. story exactly and
3: so that's sort of how it started is wanting to combine these two worlds that i existed in the world of dance which i had been inhabiting for my whole life in this world of acting where i was getting my professional training um and a lot of the people around me um saying that oh, why are you in an acting program? You're such a good dancer. Wouldn't you be happier in a dance program? And I would always say, no, the, the two art forms make me a stronger artist when they're together. And one does not contradict the other. They, sh- I, I wanted to s- tell stories using both. And I wanted to tell stories, which was the most specific part. So then fast forward to uh, I left Ithaca College um, halfway through my sophomore year and moved here to the city and met Jordan. Um,
2: Four years ago. Mm-hmm. Four years ago. We actually, actually. just had our, our friend anniversary. Yeah. Um, and now I Aww. call her my art wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, literally. very good. Ar- yeah.
1: Artis- artistic soulmates are, are super, super important. Yeah. I, I feel very lucky. I have two director artistic soulmates who um, we can't make really great stuff by
2: ourselves. When we meet, it's like a Voltron scenario. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so true. And I actually was. Um, Right out of performance studies, I had sort of started this like project of called Dust. And I was like literally just asking myself questions and sort of like trying to create like a, a story or a, like a, a sort of more theoretical approach to like movement and dance and like art and uh, sort of museum spaces and, and also like, like, you know, performance spaces that maybe I didn't really fit into, but I was like still making art for. And um, I was meeting a dancer. And I think the first time I asked you, you were busy. And um, then the the second time you were free and we sort of like connected and um, we we did this performance in, in a grace exhibition space in Brooklyn called Dust. And I literally combined the cinnamon challenge with this idea of um, what do words taste like that you don't say and like the words that you keep in, inside and like this weird sort of like theoretical concept that I've been toying around with um, and using like dusk particles in different forms. And Kendra, um, Kendra and I sort of, I remember dancing together for the first time and remembering, like, how easy it was. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated, it wasn't hard, and it it just, and I, I actually have gone and watched some of those videos and, and just, like, looked at the, the quality of how we moved together in space. Um, and I mean, I have, like, a very weird renaissance, like, Performance training, I did a little bit of gram in, at SMU in Dallas, and then I moved to the city and got introduced to contact improv, and that sort of became my my sort of, I guess, dance home, or sort of the, the, what I lean on most is this idea of, like, improvisation and contact improvisation.
1: Can you talk a little bit about what contact improv is for the, an uninitiated?
2: Yes, so contact improv is sort of based upon, um, uh, I guess, like, Nancy Stark-Smith and um, these ideas of, like... Uh, using the impetus of touch and contact either with the floor or with another body and um, using that to sort of generate movement off of another person or off off of a, a surface or a, a space and um, sort of just like going with a, the flow or the uh, your initial impetus and and moving together uh, in space um, and then like listening and then paying attention to distance and listening with uh, that
3: well uh, what I'm mean- was gonna say is when I've done contact improv it's like a conversation yeah it is a dialogue between two people two bodies
2: or the body the a body on the floor
1: yeah, yeah. exactly
3: but yeah. it is a conversation
2: and this and
1: this must form a sort of synergy between you as okay. an, an actor dancer wanting to tell stories and you and having your dance home be contact improv which is sort of a physical conversation about space yeah. and the body
3: so like Jordan was saying we met on this project uh, we were introduced a mutual friend and then eventually i decided that i wanted to put up the full length uh, a a full length show which ended up being the full length version of that piece i had started at ithaca and i asked jordan to be a part of it um and we did we we put it up in um march 2014. like right across the street yeah (laughs) almost sort of right across the street at like dryo productions this tiny little black box theater um and it was a full-length narrative show Mm -hmm. about a young uh, girl who commits suicide and how it affects the people that she leaves behind um and so we watched them at the funeral and then we in the second act we watched them a year later and seen how her death had affected them Mm -hmm. um and so then jordan and i just continued to work together we we then put up links. uh second show show, which was a year later Born and Bred which combined this idea of tap dancing and Mm -hmm. modern dance um, trauma yeah and and seeing how trauma is passed through the generations of a family Mm -hmm. and using tap dance as the form through which we express that Mm -hmm. trauma Um, and then we sort of at this point we hadn't actually established an official relationship uh, relationship or an official like co-artistic director relationship it sort of took us um, uh, a couple more pieces after born and bred we did like real Real people People do and then after like real people do um, we did if you tame me Mm -hmm. Um, so it was sort of four shows in Uh that then we decided some of the shows had been like conceived in um, most of the impetus had been from me and some of the shows had been mostly conceived or pushed by Jordan and then we even, we just realized
2: it was it was sort of it was sort of already happening though yeah. because we we constantly questioned each other as artists as as well as like some of our other company members but we also like sort of like would take time aside and you know I you know I, I I have a background background in advertising as well, so I like created all the you know the visual like language mm-hmm. for the the company as well as the show. Let's
1: let's take a few steps back, yeah. um, and and uh, talk a little bit about about the pieces in terms of um, the choices you have made to make things be site specific or yeah. outside. I mean, especially like real people do. Uh, when I was reading through the previous pieces you've done, were yeah. really really fascinating to me.
3: Yeah. So the first couple pieces were in traditional mm-hmm. theater, theater, theater settings, settings, and then. Both of us um, are very interested in site-specific and immersive work. I was a company member with Punch Drunk for about nine months. Mm-hmm. I worked up on the Heath, which was a new location that they created. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot about immersive theater with working through them. Um, but Jordan came up with this idea of this sort of time-lapse um, relationship. look at a relationship that would travel throughout Manhattan.
2: And it was sort of based upon this idea of, like, the geolocation of love and, like, how when you visit a spot in Manhattan where something has happened to you, like an intimate, like, intimate setting, like your first kiss in a, you know, on a date, or maybe it was, like, uh, sort of a intimate, like, you know, maybe things got heated and maybe a relationship ended in a place. And this idea that... Like, I, I have... I have a spot like yeah,
3: that.
1: Like I this, literally have this archway. I
3: think for everyone Ugh. who lives in Manhattan, the city is so storied yeah. by our past experiences and those places become imbued with that memory. And we can't and that's,
1: a, really I mean, that's an idea from the um, from the is from Guy Debord who would have people um, make their own psychic maps of a city, like their own sort yeah. of hotspots, like the places that... For them, are of value and of meaning, and um, um, that create the
2: sort of emotional ley lines for their own reality. Yeah. Exactly, and it and it sort of you know happened that I like, you know, I wanted to sort of create the story of like going on the the first date with this couple and like actually having dinner like next to them or close to them within a restaurant. We did it very guerrilla style, so like none of the restaurants were in on it. We just like created a, a reservation for ourselves and a reservation for our audience members. And it was How always, many people uh, were there? It
3: was four to six. I think six was the maximum That's that we right. ever
2: had. Actually, eight, because two came after dinner, so like two couldn't get to the reservation, so they actually had like just sort of like followed in, and there were at one point eight people following us throughout yeah. Manhattan.
3: So, vi- but and, very. And intimate. wait, I'm sorry,
1: this is amazing. So, so you you ha- you made reservations yep. for the performers. And the audience. And Uh the
3: performers, it was under our character names. Right, right. Um, And then we made a reservation for the audience members. And then we would And are we
1: talking, like, drinks, appetizer, meal, dessert, Uh, coffee?
3: About an hour long.
1: Okay. About a meal. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So drinks and a main course. Um, We didn't really want that part of the show to last much longer than an hour. Because then the second half of the show would also be about an hour, the traveling time. Uh
2: Right. Um, So we, we sort of, you know, and there was... There were a couple of times it wasn't exactly an hour. and We like had to actually like wait for an audience. No, wait, I'm, I'm gonna harp yeah. on this. So,
1: <laughs> so, so, the, so, and you you performed a couple, yeah? Yes, yeah, we, did. we did. So you're so. Uh, is the audience was it was it a very small restaurant?
3: They were usually very small, so sometimes the audience would be within earshot, and sometimes they wouldn't be. Okay. So it's mainly about sort of this bonding experience for the audience members, for so people who don't necessarily know one another, uh-huh. to get to know one another, but also for them uh, to the observe- The audience is all one table. Yeah, yes. Okay. Then for them to observe this couple that they know is on a first date, and yeah. that they are, I think uh, as we got into the run of the show, we started playing with the idea of giving them tasks, or like, or- uh, things, things to do. Things to do, or things to watch for, like this option of, S- send send the couple a drink and see what happens or or things like that so sometimes they would be able to That's hear brilliant. what we were talking about and sometimes they wouldn't be it now, sort of you, depended now, upon this gorilla kind yeah. of no and style were, what now did
1: you have did you have like scripted lines that you were doing or was it improvised were there <laughs> so,
3: so we did uh, we had rehearsals for this part of the show. Um, and That's it a be- fun
1: rehearsal. That's yeah, your- yeah going expensive. To the date.
3: <laughs> and it became, actually, something that we use in rehearsal a lot now. It, it was essentially a, a, a very formatted improv. So we'd gone through the date several times on our own, so we uh-huh. had a roadmap of what needed, needed to, to happen. happen. But it. It. it wasn't the exact same every time. There right, actually- and there was
2: this one bad <laughs> date. We, we actually we had a bad had a date.
3: A ba- we had a bad date, and both this of us... Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to talk yeah, about Yeah
2: so it was it was very strange and I don't know if it was like the context of like what what was going on between us or like what had happened throughout the day but we actually had a bad date and and we knew that like everything happened according to our map but it just wasn't it didn't feel right it didn't feel like like Danny and Oliver as characters were like gonna be falling in love it <laughs> actually felt be, it wasn't going it, was like, it was not a good first date and we were
3: like this isn't what's supposed to happen these people have to fall in love and have a
0: relationship.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I guess that was like the sort of it was it was odd but also kind of telling that like you know it is very guerrilla style. We sort you know set the lines or set the, the map and then you know, followed through, and they they did fall in love that day, as they did every yeah. performance. But it was a little a little bit more complicated. Um,
3: and I think the audience actually observed that it was. It, it
2: wasn't as it, good. It was there was tension. Yeah. Was like, yeah.
3: So it was it was just very interesting to see how. How even with a the structure, there there's room for different things to happen, which is what's also always wonderful about yeah. live performance, yeah, but especially yeah. when you're doing immersive performance or, or, or a
1: gorilla or, dinner. Yeah. And were there and in I'm 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 just trying to imagine this. I want to see this show really bad. Um, were there any like stylized movements during the date? Like, did it ever get? Uh, dancey for want of a to not during
3: term. the date though we have we have talked about it if we ever remount the show we would want to explore that more definitely and, and in earlier sort of iterations of talking about it we wanted we wanted to do that. We just weren't able to put it pull it off in the amount of time that we. And there was yeah. also this
2: this interesting dialogue that we were having to have with these spaces, right? Because they didn't know that their performance was going on, right. and that these audience members were having to act like they literally once asked a waitress to go and spy on us and like <laughs> ask ask them what we were yeah. saying, and like she came over a lot and like kept coming in that like bringing us more napkins, and we actually were like. Why is she bringing us so many napkins? <laughs> like, I are mean, we that messy? And the audience member had actually like tasked her like, uh-huh. like with like going and spying on us. So we didn't want to like create this idea that we were like doing a you know a pop up performance yeah. in a in a. We wanted it to feel like it was as real as possible. Right. And so we we understood that dance could pull that away or like cause too much of a scene that the restaurant you know might sort of like start you know, re- weirdly thinking of us as a, an anomaly or, like, a problem. Right. Um, like, causing a scene, even though we were in a scene. <laughs> um, but there was this impetus for, like, trying to keep it as real as possible. And then the movement after and this sort of, like... Uh, three or four, like, locations that we had it was very specific and very tailored, and then, I mean, there were planted buskers that, like, we performed, like, yeah.
3: Yeah, so for the second half of the show, after we left dinner, we traveled from the east side of Manhattan over to the west side, and we and had... was this
1: lower middle... Lower, lower middle. yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Um, so we had three different parks I can't remember the name of the so it was Tompkins Square Park Washington
2: Square Park and then the pier next to Christopher Street Pier it was the it was one over so it didn't have um the the gazebo It, it sort of um was you know free from all of that, but yeah, yeah. it was the entire performance was set to like end at sunset, right? Uh-huh. So like as the relationship ended, so did the like the day. And and um, how
1: did you how did you move the audience from place to place? How did they know? Did, were they literally following you? Physically? Yeah, they
3: were following us physically, and um, we had these planted musicians in each location where the main movement pieces would happen. Right. So uh-huh.
2: she actually, what what sort of happened is that like when the time the time lapse started. Um, uh, Kendra had left, would leave the restaurant without talking to me. Like she'd go to the bathroom and leave the restaurant with, with, like, without talking and she would go get set up, which would give the audience time to like, pay. Like sneak out? So
1: the audience didn't see her? Well, so sort of just like
2: walk out. Okay. And so the audience like then would know to sort of like pay and like wrap up. And then I would walk to the park as it, meeting her on a completely different day. So that was the change of time. And that was sort of our, our second date as we met in the park. Um, See, this is
1: this is the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yeah. dance mashup that I've always wanted. Exactly
3: <laughs> um, And so then we would meet up and it would be a different day like a You know probably a week or two into the relationship uh-huh. and then they shared their first kiss and then after that m- first movement sequence then we sort of parted and The audience had a choice of who to follow So some of them would follow oh, me and some nice. of them would follow Jordan and then we did our first Uh, main walk and on this walk we had a phone conversation Conversation. with the other one and so they only saw they only heard Heard. one side of the conversation following each of us and we had little bits of individual movement up before we met up again right in front of the public mm-hmm. theater mm-hmm. and then we they would watch us walk to Washington Square together which And is we had some we would incorporated movement some movement language some contact improv between us as we were traveling through the street uh-huh. which we never could really set because the was, street is, you know, based, busy, right, yeah, right? specifically on what was happening in uh, the vicinity yeah. of us at A that time. A lot of, like,
2: running forward, stopping, like, you know, stopping in front of someone, or, like, maneuvering around and, like, un, like, unleashing our hands and, like, coming back together. A lot of, like, interesting things based upon, like, what was being thrown at us. So we, like, the movement language was, was very specific in terms of um, quality, but then changed based upon, like, you know, the obstacles or people yeah. we encountered.
3: And so then uh, our second main location was Washington Square Park, which was certainly (laughs) the most populated of all the parks, so we had, we had to have several And this
1: was, this was like early evening on a weekend sort of deal? Or weekdays? Weekdays,
3: different, sort of different days during the week, so, um, but Washington Square Park was always very crowded
1: What time of year was it done?
3: It It was was in May, May. late May, early June That's Yeah. yeah Yeah, so um, we had to have several contingency plans in Washington Square Park based on where our musicians could set up. So uh-huh. we would walk into the park not necessarily knowing where we were going gonna to perform. perform. We would just have to find, find our musician in one of the places that we had talked about them setting up.
2: Which is why this is sort of like the cell phones and the cell phone conversation were so important. And it, it was a real cell phone conversation. Yeah. And then we would often then get a text message from our um, musicians who were kind enough to also sort of act as like, Part stage managers, and they would be like, "We're at the Arch." or you know, we're by the statue, right, or, right. and they would tell us sort of like where to go, and it would change the pathway of the performance. Um, and then we would arrive, and then this sort of, uh, I guess, tense dance would ensue, which was kind of interesting. This dialogue with Washington Square Park, which yeah. it's, you know, there's all this public performance, and it's normally really happy, and yeah. like. This so
3: we would invariably draw a crowd for right. this piece, which this piece was actually never set. It was a completely contact improvised dance. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: which we had sort of a, you know, there was a tension between us as artists because for me, I didn't, I didn't want to set it completely. And then, you know, we wanted to set pieces of it and I actually found a, a note um, that we had From one of our rehearsals that actually set at like which times of the song that that, like certain points needed needed to happen so there was again this map but then this sort of like conversation that was real that was happening between us as actors and um it always sort of ended the same but
3: yeah it would end with sort of this this tension between this relationship of his character was considering leaving the city and my character being very wounded by that idea of him, him Wanting to leave without me or, or Considering this idea without me and so this idea of, of feeling left behind and Ultimately the dance ended with my character would leave and I would look at one of the audience members I would sort of make eye contact with them and then I would grab them by the hand mm-hmm. and as if I was walking off with someone else Right, right um, and so then ensued a new another section of the piece where I would actually have this one on one in punch drunk mm-hmm. terms um, with this one audience member as we traveled and Jordan would follow behind with the rest of the audience. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so sort of that, like, again another time lapse in which probably what like we said like between two and three months had passed between like them sort of like talking and not talking and I followed and it was like actually as as if like I had been like sort of like you know almost following her in, like, real life that, like, I had, like, been missing her and, like, kept the audience close enough to her that they could see her but they couldn't hear her or mm-hmm. interact with her. Um, and then led them to, um, which I guess was the the park next to um, Stonewall, which... Yeah,
3: it was right right at Christopher street. street. yeah, um, And then we met f- for the final time and sort of they re- reconnected and entered the, you know, sort of sort of the death rattle of the relationship of trying to hold on but it not really working and yeah. we had this final walk to the to the hudson the pier, yeah. um where the relationship ultimately ended on this pier
2: and there was sort of definitely a remnants of the language that we had created in the, the first like you know each of the walks that was very similar but this was very much i remember being like it was this longing, but like distraught and like like so so tense because we like hadn't seen each other for like the characters hadn't seen each other for two months uh, as they sort of like danced their way to the pier
3: Yeah, it was a much more sort of um, desperate kind of feeling a feeling of de- desperation had creeped in to where they were trying to hold on, but it was just unraveling right in front
1: of that that sounds like a fantastic piece that sounds really 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 fantastic well
3: it was our certainly it was our first foray into
1: immersive immersive
3: site-specific kind of stuff it sounds like it
1: was for a very specific reason because it was about the geography of this relationship as it maps out onto a part of new york city yes um not so, to, yeah so there's definitely like
2: some personal like stories like at those places as well and like yeah. you' know, thinking about like everyone's sort of personal stories and you know how we geolocate love but right yeah.
1: so um, let me use this as a, as a segue into talking a little bit about, about your your process for creations it sounds like it's very very collaborative between the two of you and you told me you were, we were talking after the scene and you were telling me that you're very um, you used the word device which was one of these yeah. words that we use when when People as a group put something together, specifically without a uh, an actual text. There, like it's a difference between I'm just going to do a play, and you are going to make a play together, even if we're destroying the text, using the text, etc. Yeah,
3: exactly. That's sort of what our process has become. It certainly didn't start that way. Back yeah. when we were doing Gone and Born and Bread, our first two pieces was. Um,
2: We sort of started devising with like real people do and, you know, I, you know, I, we sort of, I came with a narrative and then we sort of like talked about the characters and developed them in our, you know, sort of own ways and, you know, sort of the intricate nature of each of them. And then also that sort of, I guess, led into, um, If You Tame Me and then like how we devised a movement together.
3: Yeah. So basically our, the way of working that we really like, and I think is most satisfying to us and the rest of our company is this... Um, way that we've found of either one of us or both of us together conceives of this idea um, and and all of our ideas have this sort of core thread of narrative it's mm. we're telling a story um, and we're telling a story about people um, and we we have this idea and then we start can, I, can I
1: ask I'm yeah. a dumb question that I love asking whenever I first use the word <laughs> story What do you mean when you say story? Because people mean different things. Sometimes they mean specifically beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes people just mean it's a sequence of events where someone changes. So I I
3: guess when we think of, when I think of story, and this is again, sort of the actor coming out in me, is I, I want to see real people with real relationships very specific relationships and they want very specific things from each other and they're they are changed in some way by this interaction between the other people that they come into contact with mm-hmm. and when i when i see work by Third Rail or Punch Drunk, which are both companies I think that have inspired us so Definitely. much. Um, and that we love seeing <laughs> their work. I, but I, 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 I
1: I will say the Unseen is one of the first pieces I've seen where I felt a lot of Third Rail in
3: it. Yeah, and so <clears throat> when I see those pieces, I feel I feel it's much more um, like experiential mm-hmm. and sort of about to these Uh, It's not necessarily about story to me, it's about this atmosphere um, and this feeling and an overall sort of idea that they're exploring and they're getting at it in many different ways and as many different ways as they can. Which, which is what I felt like when I saw *Then She Fell* or right. the *Grand Paradise*, which Absolutely. both I loved. Yeah, um, there are like narrative that.
2: elements, but it's not a. But st- it's like not a story. story, right? Exactly,
3: and that's what I think sets us apart from those kind of companies. Mm-hmm. Is we are really interested in um, a story, whether it be li- linear or non-linear. But there is. There are well, true characters, and there are true people who go through this journey that the audience witnesses. One, one
1: thing that's interesting about the way you describe like real people do is one of the things that I really like about a lot of immersive work is that you you never get the complete picture. Like no matter how you approach um uh Grand Paradise or Sleep No More or Then She Fell, you will never ever get the whole thing or Houseworld or any of these things. Um and so it becomes, in a sense, about a layering of theme about the environment, about the way the environment changes, the way you interact with the environment, etc. But the interesting thing to me about you managed to come up with with a shape that tells a story that the audience all gets, but there's still an incompleteness to it, yeah. right? which and is really lovely.
3: And the, there's actually um, our show that we did before The Unseen, Soul of the Sea, mm-hmm. which took place on this steamboat Boat. called the Lilac that is docked. Um, in the Hudson River
1: so brief 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 aside so the the first I think I told you this that night the first um well not the first but the first immersive show of this sort of era of immersive work that I ever saw was the confidence man by woodjet collective which was also on the lilac oh,
0: oh wow yeah. Yeah.
2: wow
3: <laughs> uh so we were we were offered this uh, amazing space which Mm -hmm. is this beautiful like 1930s steamboat Mm um or it's a lighthouse tender right Um, and we created this piece that was based on oscar wilde's short story the fisherman and his soul and we it was our first piece doing a bit more like third rail or punch drunk where there were scenes happening simultaneously of each other but we still approached it Similarly to like real people do in the observation that you made, that we still wanted everyone, no matter what scenes they saw, we wanted everyone to be able to get enough to understand the story. Right to
2: understand at least the major parts of the narrative. So if you missed one scene, that like the the you know the scene after that or the scene following was actually part of the the greater narrative. So there were definitely like like a very like you know set narrative and then like sort of subplots that were that tended to that narrative, but didn't necessarily um,
3: it didn't it's, hinge
2: upon its, its success or failure exactly. Um, but I, I guess for that show, like, definitely we pulled from like real people do and like, we knew that there were certain parts of the story that everyone, everyone had to see. everyone right. needed to see and then like certain parts that were sort of um, juncture and like did change characters, but like didn't necessarily like, draw back from the narrative that they were missing.
3: So that was, that was certainly, well, I think one thing that uh, I'm really proud of and I think we're both very proud of is that every time we do a show, we, we set these new goals or we introduce a new element or something different that we're going to do or explore or try or change or, change, or mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so this, that was sort of the example of Okay, we'd done we'd done site specific work, we'd done immersive work, um, we'd done work with live music. Uh, but the new thing about Soul of the Sea* was that okay, now let's try and mm-hmm. have scenes happening simultaneously and have and, all of those things happen. Yeah, and have <laughs> all of those things happen as well, mm-hmm. um, and have it all be on this steamboat.
1: Uh, so, what was the uh, segue? So, what was the new element for the unsea?
3: Yeah, so it was uh,
2: this this idea of like sound and this. Um, this te- technology that it, one of the problems we found with a, a previous show was that we we had a, a soundtrack and we wanted everyone to be on, like listening at the same time mm. and we had everyone press play at the same time but there are like minute differences right. yeah. so not everyone heard or like you know saw exactly on music or exactly on time and so we really wanted to to make this, like, make it seamless, where everyone heard the same narrative at the same time. And we found this really cool app, um, and it, it, you know, we like we tried it out and it seemed to work and then we we actually found out that it didn't work on Android and so we were you know we didn't want to ostracize part of our audience so we we decided to sort of like dig in and actually I emailed the guy who who created the app and he had an analog version and then I bought a battery pack and we did then basically I carried around a sound transmitter and that was the new element is that we wanted everything to be in sync um, for that show and we wanted to sort of like make sure that everyone heard everything at the same time
3: yeah. and. Uh, along with that, um, sort of our, our first park piece that we'd done uh, the previous summer, called If You Tame Me, we've referred to it a couple times, mm. uh, We was also this idea of this. And that this, was
1: inspired by the
3: little the prince. The little prince, right? yes, it was. Um, It was in Central Park, Mm -hmm. uh, the northern end of Central Park. But it was the same idea of having a soundtrack for the whole piece and having the dancers and audience members all wear headphones, sort of a silent rave kind of feeling. Mm. But for that piece, we had live dialogue. So the actors would speak over top of the music going on in the headphones, and it just became... We we tried to f- solve it by space, having the audience very close to the people when they spoke and very far away when movement was happening. It just became a little bit of a problem. Right. So we decided like,
2: we wanted to put the actual dialogue into the soundtrack, yeah. which right, right. you know led into this narrative of like you know ghosts talking through you know a sound device, which is sort of a you know very much a trope in terms of like. I want to speak to the other side i hear a radio you know buzzy noise but then this idea that like all this dialogue could happen on these devices and like everyone could hear it at the same time and, and
3: well and then the other big thing was it all happened in the dark
2: right yeah
3: um so our other park piece if you tame me uh had been during the day right. it had been um sort duskish of it, yeah dusk-ish but it never uh the piece ended before it got very dark, dark. Um, this piece, we decided to embrace the darkness yeah. and have it all take place during the dark. So, this idea of syncing the audience up, um, putting all the dialogue into the audience's soundtrack and into their headphones. And then playing um, what they and could then and couldn't see. Playing with the idea of what yeah. was seen and what was unseen. Oh. We it. But yeah, so those were the new elements that we were playing with, trying out, mm-hmm. seeing
1: and how they was, What was the initial uh, idea for Ed? Uh, was it to to do a riff on Salem witch Trials, to do something It was a relationship, night, right? Do, uh, yeah,
3: so um, this story came about, uh, I conceived of these two characters, Laura and Mary, uh, out of the context of the Salem Witch Trials. Originally, in my mind, it was going to be a present-day piece. It was going to take place in, a, in an apartment. It was simply about... Um, the relationship between these two female friends and mm-hmm. one friend having feelings of more than friendship for that woman. Um, but I've always been intrigued by the Salem Witch Trial. So I had these characters in my mind and this loose idea of a story. And then somehow the Salem Witch Trials you, just sort of, yeah, the two ideas came together. And mm-hmm. the historical context with these seeds of characters that had been running around in my mind intersected and then we were then we just started talking about it and like oh this this is perfect and this right is. i remember
2: the the day that we we talked about it you were we, we were having sort of like a, a, a bi-weekly meeting at that point and sort of looking at like what story was and you were like we were, i guess maybe we were in another show maybe we were still talking about soul of the sea and you had brought up the salem witch trials and brought up like you know the idea of these two characters and specifically um i remember like seeing it wasn't the last scene as it was but i remember seeing like something in my head and I, I just kind of thought that it seemed so right to talk about this idea of you know uh love in this uh in this time period and you know these characters being sort of limited by the reality that they were in
3: yeah exactly and i think something that uh <laughs> something I think that interests both of us is this idea of liminal space and this idea mm. of an area between two things mm-hmm. seems to permeate our work a lot, a lot, so, lot almost of all, all of our work, work. <laughs> yeah. uh, this idea of exploring this area between two extremes and mm-hmm. for this piece I was really interested in exploring this idea of a coming of age for young women which I think is an issue a time period that we as Americans don't really like to deal with. I think here in America, we like young girls Mm -hmm. and we like women, but we don't like seeing that Mm -hmm. messy transition period Mm -hmm. of how a girl becomes a woman. And I think it scares us. And I think it, um, I think it's just something that we don't want to talk about. And I think there's this inherent power that is released. And this idea of sort of talking about this transition period and this idea of maybe equating female sexual awakening to actual magic Mm. and making the audience wonder if there is real magic going on here or not or what is happening or this idea of the power that's being awakened in these girls as they as they become women they're not they're not little girls anymore but they're not real women completely mentally yet but they have women's bodies and
2: it's that between space right it's It's that that, between space it's that that point in which like you're you're sort of like going through that transition and that it's like betwixt one and another and it will never be both like it's sort of both it's like a both and sort of situation and I think that that's we play with that a lot right is that I'm here or I'm you know I'm I'm about to leave I'm like I'm in the process of leaving or um you know I'm in the process or really cover the process of death that we've talked about like you know the the idea of like um, I guess with Gone, we like, definitely, there was this like apparition that, you know, she wasn't really gone, you know, there was an essence of her still there, even though she had, like, you know, actually like had committed suicide. And so this idea that like, we, we definitely like this liminal space or this like, this space where like something is one thing and another at the same
3: time. And I think that has to do with we we talk about this idea of framing devices a lot. That's mm-hmm. how we construct a lot of our shows, mm-hmm. especially shows that um, or the shows that we've had uh, that have been based on source texts, texts like oh. uh, *If You Tame Me* being based on *The Little Prince*, or *Soul of the Sea* being based on Oscar Wilde's *The Fisherman and His Soul*. Um, this idea of not wanting to dive right into this story, mm-hmm. but having some sort of M- more real world context that allows us to to sort of enter the world a little bit a, a little so
1: hence hence the seance yes right. exactly so, so hence uh, the
3: seance or hence um so well i mean soul. just so just yeah.
1: just a frame just to frame this so um like a lot of immersive pieces um this piece begins before you get there like with a lot of immersive pieces it's not like oh we're going to this theater to see this play it's like we are going to the McKittrick Hotel yeah. as if it's a real hotel when it's not a real hotel yeah. um, and in this case we show up at Fort Tryon the audience does um, and uh, and you two are hanging around and some of the other people are hanging around um, and question that's asked is are you here for the seance yeah not are you for the show are you for the seance um and in my case (laughs) now look (laughs) we did not intend for this to I know I know (laughs) I know but I mean like this is not my first rodeo all right and I've I've been around actors my entire life and it's very not that I'm the saddiest person in the world because I'm definitely not but um I really felt like I was having just an actual conversation. Because <laughs> um, I'm chatting with this person who I ask if is one of the performers, because clearly she knew you two and people who were there. And they went having this conversation about how she's in grad school and she's here to help her friend with the sands thing, she's having trouble in grad school. And I so, like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and then this person becomes the, the person who is trying to make this sands happen and is playing a character and I mean for me like I also love liminal space and for me realizing that something that I thought was real is something more than real or different than real is I I love that feeling Um, so for me it was quite it was quite awesome and also just nice to be
2: had I mean it was good. It, it was it's sort of interesting because it doesn't like because there's you know some we're waiting on you know audience members to show up It didn't feel like you know a performance would be happening in that right. place, right? right? And I think that that is sort of the the best part about I guess that and, and like what you experience is that You felt like you could just be having a conversation with a real person because there were the stakes yeah. hadn't been created and he, even I, I think that you know, you enter, like, the McKittrick and, like, there are these performers and they have an air about them, right? right? But, like, right. the way we created Amy is that she would just be sort of hanging out until this time, you know, to sort of, like, start the seance yeah. and she would sort of take over. Well, and um, getting
3: back to this idea of devised work mm-hmm. is, I think, the reason she felt so real is because... Katie, who was our actress who played Amy, Mm -hmm. um, was really playing a lot of Katie.
2: Right. Um, She just
3: had different circumstances as Amy. She had a different backstory she had a different life um but she was very much behaving as she would as if she if she were katie the the woman that we know um uh, so but was, was it, weren't her
2: parents there that night as well yeah, yeah i think her parents
3: were there as well but uh, uh, right it goes back to this idea of devised work and i think we put a lot of ourselves into every show that we do and so do our company members it comes right. Everyone contributes something, especially when it comes to the movement. We very rarely set choreography on our dancers anymore. Mm-hmm. It's Most of the movement comes from within them, themselves, and then we as directors shape it.
2: And then make, you know, it's sort of used tactics from like contact improv as well as right. frantic assembly and like some other things that we've learned along the way to sort of like help create dialogue between performers, you know, like using that that idea that like every like movement or every like sort of um every sort of phrase that's created is part of this larger dialogue or this narrative that we're, we're trying to tell in this, like, you know, larger story. And, you know, especially with someone like Katie, you know, definitely, like, probably are, you know, like, delves so much into story and, like, creates, you know, sort of this entire, like, I mean, let's almost say, like, you know, Journal of ideas of like what her character is, and like wants to make sure that everyone knows, like you know, everyone knows. And she definitely had thought about all of those things yeah. that she talked to you about. Is like, yeah, what was her thesis about? And like, you know, yeah. how many years was the program? All that was well, like very, felt,
1: I mean, it felt, um, it felt very, I mean, the, the entire intro, like getting there, and because I used to live like a black there so I know that area really well. Um, so it just felt so relaxed, and the, the moving into the piece going from meeting up, everyone getting our, our headphones and our, our receivers, and then walking to the place where the initial stance happened, holding hands, like that that slow transition into the piece, it, it made it, because I can imagine that um, that seeing people dressed like in Salem, which yeah. tried stuff, walking around Fort Tryon, for me at least, it could have been, silly or off-putting or not off-putting but but silly oh, but certainly. because of the because of the slow entry and because of how I'm from California so I can say this because of how chill it all felt <laughs> <laughs> um, and which which is one thing we're, we're slowly running out of time but I want to move into talking about um, some of the images from this because they were they were arresting I mean it was beautiful I mean approaching and leaving that huge tunnel um, and then seeing um, so so Fort, Fort Tryon is sort of on this big hill. Um, if you've ever been to the Cloisters in New York City, and you've been to Fort Tryon, um, and uh, so in the performance, I don't know why I'm looking at the computer like I'm talking to the audience. Um, so in the performance, um, we would move from level to level, and we would go through tunnels and open fields and sort of little narrow walkways. Um, And the performance would take place in and around this environment. And there were moments when we would be, you know, like 20, 30 feet above another walkway and looking down to see another element of the story take place. Um, How, and I think you said to me that night that it ended up being a lot more cinematic than you expected or intended. Yeah. So how did you develop these these images and make the choices about where each uh, scene would take place? Taking a walk in a park, yeah
2: yeah, it, it, I mean we sort of approach, you know we we walk an environment. And I, I think that we did the same with the steamboat as mm-hmm. we walk it and we sort of create a map in our minds of like what we think would work in different places and then often talk about those places as characters, you know transforming a gazebo that's in Fort Tryon Park into this, you know this you know church or this chapel mm-hmm. and then, you know, like moving through and like where like where are they next you know is the staircase town are they in their town are they you know out in the out in the wilderness and making sure that it's very clear and in terms of that you know i guess that's part of the process the other process is just like looking at the space and then you know revering it for its beauty and then
3: yeah and i think it's again it's just sort of walking through the park and it's knowing the story but i think it just comes down to this instinctual feeling of like this space like it inspires me or it, it feels like this would be this would be the perfect place to um, heighten this element of the story. I think it comes a lot down to just gut reaction.'
2: Mm-hmm. There, was um, a, there was an ad campaign on the subway a couple of years ago called, uh, for the for BAM, and it was like, BAM, then it hits you. Yeah. And right, yeah. like, this idea that, yeah. like, you never know when, like, when you, like, it's almost like, you know, when you're in the subway and you see something, you're like, oh, that would be great in that space. Or, like, when you're walking through the park and, like, it hits you, like, oh, that scene is, like, that needs to happen right there. We need to be this far away.
3: And and there were there were little tweaks along the way, but funnily enough, both for If You tame Me, the piece that happened in Central Park, and for this piece, literally... I think I walked, I I went on a walk in the park, and Mm -hmm. literally the first path that I took, the walk that I went on, ended up being very close to the final track that the show Mm follows. And it's just about, I think, knowing the story and knowing the characters and.
2: Like trying to, like, make a very, like, you know, sort of making the walk match that narrative or making, making the space match that narrative and, like, seeing it and sort of imagining, and imagining a scene in that space. And um, I uh, I remember when we first when we first sort of had the like element of, like of looking down from that you know the sort of like large piece after the the archways looking down on the f- the first time when we actually added in the elements of magic and just being like being like wow that was like a perfect place to like you know it, was, it, it just it felt so right it didn't yeah. feel odd or you know, it was sort of that a moment that you just dropped in and you sort of, like, everything sort of drifted away. And I think that's, I guess, a feeling that you sort of search for when looking for those spaces.
1: Yeah. Um, so we are almost running out of time. And I just want to ask what, um, what, can you talk about what's coming next? Do you have an idea or are you sort of taking a break? Because you're still in the, just, you, you haven't really gotten to the, the post-mortem
2: yet.
3: No, we, we are taking a little bit of a break, but we're always sort of constantly thinking Always about spirulated. what's
2: next. It's definitely like a, a, a prick. We're like constantly like, you know Oh yeah. We we have this need to continue to create even though we were like we should probably take a little bit of a break. That yeah. never ends up happening. Right. And I and I think that we were talking about like actually the, the you know the election and the day after the election is yeah. I like we met up and we were she had a transmitter and, and I needed to grab it to send it back to the, you know, the company that we rented it from and you know we were talking about postmortem of the election itself, but then also I, I told her I was like all I've been listening to are, are like both the blues, like the like New Orleans blue like style blues because it just felt right. And we were you know, talking about like making pieces that were relevant to like what's politically charged right now. Yeah, and how
3: you. I how I think art is more important than ever now, mm-hmm. and um, searching for the truth and seeking for the truth in our art is. Uh, sort of the only way that we can that we that we can sort of fight back or preserve the ideals that we hold dear um in our you know own small little way as artists that that is feels very urgent and very important and very immediate right now definitely Um, and we've been playing around with this idea of um Miss Julie, the play by Strindberg. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I am very, I love Chekhov and Ibsen and Strindberg and a lot of our dancers in our company went to school for acting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so one idea we've been throwing around is doing sort of a very frantic assembly treatment to a play, taking a actual full existing play and, um, finding a site for it, finding a space, mm-hmm. a non-traditional space, um possibly setting it in a jazz club possibly using blues Using blues It's one idea we've also been playing around with this That's idea, idea. Yeah. that sounds. Awesome. yeah we've been playing around with uh, the picture of Dorian, Dorian Gray yeah. in an art gallery uh-huh. um,
2: there's also we've also been sort of like talking about this idea of you know submitting you know to a, a theater festival or to like one of our older works like Born and Bread and maybe like you know redoing it and sort of like revamping it and trying to do a different iteration and you know bring some new elements to it because we think we've changed as artists over the past you know four years of our relationship and up a lot yeah and we want to sort of revisit some of those themes because we think that they're powerful and they yeah. might actually might tell part of a story that needs to be told which you know is about maybe these you know forgotten people of the the like, midwest and or you know the south and like, their stories but then also like you know what like what new stories can we tell and like it's no ideas ever off the table because i remember soul of the sea like Katie, the, the girl who played Amy in The Unseen, actually was like, you need to read this now. And we were like, yeah. okay, we'll read it. We both read it and we were like, this, this is it. This is it. This is yeah. the show that we need, needs to happen. So it's not like we're opposed to any ideas, but it seems like we're leaning towards Miss Julie's, maybe Dorian Gray, and then sort of whatever comes first. But then, the, you know, we're, we're sort of also just jarring some ideas, even, you know, constant, like, constantly between the two of us, yeah. via text message in person. Nothing is off the table. If it feels right, we're going to go with it. But we definitely feel like art needs to be made right now.
1: Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There, there was something that, One of the things that I, I really liked about The Unseen was a it felt like a kind of reclaiming of that Salem story. And it felt more, I don't know, sort of tender and vulnerable, I mean still strong, but more sort of tender and vulnerable approach to that story than, than you often see. Because often that story is turned into a kind of very clear and specific statement about something. Yeah. And we are very certain about this statement. And this made it about um, relationships and this transitional point that you were talking
3: well, about. Well, and I think it's one thing. I, I talk about Chekhov a lot, um, <laughs> but I think there's a huge difference between a playwright um, like Chekhov or and play like Arth- a playwright like Arthur Miller. Uh-huh. Uh, Chekhov used to say that the way he would write is he would come up with these very specific characters, characters who have very specific wants and needs and desires, just like, like any other playwright, but he would simply... He would create them, and then he would invite them to a party, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and uh, he would just sit back and watch what happened. And that's And
2: that's almost what we do in our rehearsal spaces, is that we give our, you know, our performers their character, we sort of assign our, like, you know, we cast them as a certain character based upon certain traits we see within them, and we sort of, like, help, you know, create this dialogue and, you know, sort of, like give them impetus or give them sort of circumstances that they have with another character and then they develop between the two of them and then we ask them you know certain questions or give them you know give them a little bit of help with intention if they can't find it and then the characters sort of create themselves.
3: And and ultimately I think what comes out of that is like what Chekhov discovered instead of a a play, and I love Arthur Miller as a playwright, he's, sure, yeah. he's amazing, but he, he comes across with a very clear message of what he wants his audience to understand and take away, whereas someone like Chekhov I think leaves much more room for the audience to take what they want from it. And I think that's more of, we always have very specific intentions in what we create, but I think we, we want to walk that fine line. Of we don't want to spoon feed anyone we don't want to hit anyone over the head with a message we want to create this very specific story and these characters who feel very human and then we want to sit back and we want you to draw your own conclusions Definitely. from it and I think a much more tender kind of thing comes across in that is because it's really focused on the relationships yeah. and the, the characters themselves rather than an overt message of here's what we're trying to say.
2: Right, like this we're we're not shoving the theme down your throat. We want you to sort of like take the theme that you feel when you when you watch it yourself.
3: And whoever they connect to character wise, everyone Definitely. everyone will feel more drawn to one particular person. And so we always want to make sure that every character, whether they're sort of the main focus of the story or not, but every character is three dimensional and every character has the uh, has their own I guess has their own story right this is
1: um this is great do you I definitely feel like what you have created there there's not you've created a new space for immersive work in New York City and I'm a big fan um do you have um do you have like a mailing list or something folks can you sign up to
2: we do so on our website um linked dance there is a uh uh, a mailing list that you can subscribe to um, that we um, send out, you know, information to, about our shows. About and then, you know, we obviously have our Facebook page and Instagram that are you know re- readily available. Like both are linked dance theater. Um, Great. Like easily searchable, easily findable. Um, Great. So yeah, that's
1: well, if you are if you're in New York City, I strongly recommend that you um, you follow Linked Dance Theater and see the next thing that they do. If you're outside of New York City, uh, come and visit. <laughs> thank you very much. This is Zay Amsbury with Kendra and Jordan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Once again, want to thank Kendra and Jordan of Linked Dance Theater. You can find them at Linked Dance Theater with the R E dot com. Um, they're in New York. Uh, you can find Zay on the Twitter at Zay Amsbury. You can find No Persinium on the Twitter at No Persinium. You can find all of our links at NoPersinium.com. We want your end-of-year highlights. Send those to us at No underscore Persinium at Outlook.com. We do need your Patreon support, and we are pushing forward on new goals. Patreon.com slash No and if you 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 want to be able to you know get some feedback on your plots and plans uh check out that schemer level level that's um, that's an important one for us at the moment um what else is there chris porter chris porter i know you're listening to the show you're probably at work thank you for doing our music it's wonderful uh I'm, I'm i think everyone knows it's got a stranger things vibe uh and i'm i'm so happy that it does uh let me just i'm just going to Point that out, stick a pin in it, move forward. Hey, uh, we've got some fun episodes coming up. Zay's working on some stuff. I got uh, multiple things planned. It went from being like, what am I going to do this month to like, oh my God, I've almost got too much to do this month. But that's good because we do it all for you. Everything we do. I'm not going there, don't worry. Um, That's it. That's it for episode 75. Wow, 75 of these things. Seventy-five of them. We're like we're we're like half a year away from a hundred. We're gonna get there. I haven't done a hundred of anything in my life, I don't think. Um <laughs> except read comic books. Um true. Okay. That's enough from me this week. Uh there's plenty going on out there. Check the newsletters and uh let's get up to some no-goodness here in the holiday season after all there's there's apparently no reason to be nice anymore so let's go full-on naughty and until next time i'll see you at the show